0: It cannot be that everyone has a right to reply except members of the government and officials. Nor can it be that challenging an opinion expressed by a journalist constitutes an attack on press freedom. What I believe may be sorely lacking in our society today is the need to listen to each other more. Knowledge has never been a gift granted exclusively to one group. We must listen and hear each other more. And for me personally, I find it ironic that the presidency of a man who has been and continues to be daily the most vilified political figure of his generation can be accused of presiding over a culture of silence. There is no midnight knock on the door in Ghana for authors of dissenting views, nor will there be during my Presidency. (laughs) Indeed, one of the reasons assigned by the global social media platform Twitter for its decision to establish its operational headquarters in Africa in Ghana was that, and I quote, Ghana is a supporter of free speech online freedom, and the open Internet." Unquote. These qualities possessed by our nation also influenced the decision by the Federation of African Journalists to announce the holding of its annual conference in Ghana this year because of Ghana's attachment to a culture and practice of So
1: that's the president at um, a function at uh, University of Ghana, I think at University of Cape Coast. And I think um, that was no, University of Education, where anybody must have been. And that was uh, either uh, one of the um, congregation of the university. Um, Let me begin by asking Efia Pokoa if she feels that there's anything wrong with what the president said. Uh, um, Evans thinks that the manner of looking at getting feedback for the free SHS and being tagging the journalists doing that work as running a campaign against it can feed into uh, party people attacking journalists or anybody at all wanting to attack journalists. If you are, do you share that view?
2: Well let me thank you good morning and thank you for um, having me and forgive me if i sound a little nasal because i'm not too well but um okay. i i i thought that you were going to come to me about my reality as well because i have yeah. quite just a full just this
1: just this in a minute and then go to your reality okay
2: I I I was a little disappointed with um, uh, the president in his comments because I remember, in a couple of years, he was the same person who said that he prefers a robust media that is uh, somewhat aggressive than a uh, dormant media that goes with the status quo and for somebody like himself who's been a freedom fighter from the Preku days and all that that is a complete opposite of his usual rhetoric and i always take myself to my former colleague um and the fantastic question he asked the president at one of the media encounters whether the presidency has tamed him because this would have been not the Nane Kufwadu we know from back in the day. But I think to also be fair to him that government officials also have a right to rebuttal. And nobody is saying that government officials and heads of government institutions do not have a right to uh, rebuttal because we all know that everybody has a right to fair hearing. This is something that is basic standard in law, everyone knows, including the president. So we are not saying that. But I think that is is very worrying when it comes from the first gentleman of the land And these are the things, like Evan says, partyful soldiers kind of pick on these things and they go haywire to the extent of bullying people. And when the president says, he mentioned something about the definition of press freedom and quoted the the reasons for Twitter even setting up their headquarters um, in, in Ghana. But I think that the definition of press freedom and the definition of state actors and state institutions uh, or the culture of silence is not static. Especially in this era where we have seen technology and the expansion of the media waves, even into new media. We cannot continue to use the same method or definition we're using 20 years ago, because things have changed. I would have wished that the president and other media actors like the Minister of Information would have openly admitted that there are abuses there are abuses i have my issues with this report because i think that the report is completely biased against women i have been attacked so many times and i did not see that in the report. i did not see my threats in the 2020 election, that forced me out of the country. I had to flee the country. I did not see that in the report. Completely biased against the women. And if we take this year's theme, International uh, Women's Day, uh, uh, International Women's Day theme, breaking the bias, I think that this report didn't do justice to the theme and the rights of women because all the issues and the examples that were cited were all male journalists. And and that is not to say, like Sir William here said, that female journalists have not been attacked uh, within the period under review, but they were all not captured. But to the president's issue, I am a little disappointed that he took it in, in that context, especially not acknowledging the fact that there are abuses from both sides, and he is responsible as the head of the government and as the leader of his political party to speak about or at least acknowledge the abuses that come from his side, which is MPP. And there are so many of them. Mm. Uh, so we but, are
1: not talking about the good ones. Not exactly to seek your reaction, but when you speak about being disappointed also in the information ministry and their statement, the statement signed by Kujo Pankrumah, the conclusion is, is, is significant. He says that Ghana's democracy is a work in progress. Overall, therefore, government welcomes the reports as a baseline reference document against which press freedom in our country may be gauged in the coming years, and in this uh, response, you could say it is measured, it is welcoming of the report um, to a large measure, and speaking about what to do to remedy the circumstances. So is it fair to be disappointed in that, uh, you know, as it were, (laughs) reaction?
2: I think it, it, it is fair to have a right to an opinion, and this is my opinion. So right. I think that government so, should have done more, and I'm, I'm coming from a, a place of expectation. I think often government, especially MPP government, gets it wrong because of the expectation. I think that they underestimate the the expectation that people, including the media, have of them. It is because of their own history is because of their own history. They have a history that is completely different from NDC. NDC comes from a revolution. Their first manifesto was signed by President Rawlings, who was Chairman Rawlings with his blood. NDC is known to have a history of not being entirely, you know, media friendly. So, and that is completely opposite from MPP, which is coming from a tradition where they Portrayed themselves at least to a large extent before the period before 92 Constitution were more media friendly. In 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 in, to, in 2012, I think in, in 2016, the, we in multimedia at the time, and I was with multimedia, we were called regime changes. The MPP portrayed itself as we are the fighters of media freedom. And the, when NDC was in power, every time the media has come under attack it is the the mpp that would rise to the occasion and support the media so what has changed that's what i'm saying that it is with that expectation that you will want to place the mpp above the nbc in terms of expectation and therefore you don't want the you don't, ministry don't think you don't think, you don't think they were it you don't think whilst in opposition
1: they were just taking advantage uh for the political gain
2: like in politician would Probably, but that's a track record. I'm giving you the days, especially with the President, His Excellency, He has an enviable position, a different, an exclusive uh, position that is unique to him because of his history and his record. And he himself he alluded to the fact in his, in his speech by mm-hmm. saying that somebody like him, he is surprised that under his regime, uh, the media is being abused or touted as he, he himself. And that is where the expectation comes in. The work he's done over the years in in Skiyemipekun, the kind of relationship he's had with the media, that is why the expectation is there, that under his leadership, under no circumstance, should we have abuses of this nature. Even even if it's 10%, we shouldn't have abuses of this, and that's where the differences in the two traditions in terms of NDC and MPP comes mm. in. That's where I have my my own issues. Yeah.
1: So you wanted to speak about your reality, uh, be gauging that against the reports.
2: Yes. And so uh, uh, we have had Manasi, other people who have spoken. I think our, our senior. Auntie uh, list is there. She has <laughs> many, many, many decades in in the in the area. Some of us used to look up to her when we were seeing her faces on breakfast show, and another um, platform, including news files back in the day. But I I have been a victim of attack twice under MPP um, MPP Congress, uh, another MPP Congress, first MPP Congress in La uh, Trade Fair another mpp congress 2007 there about in, in kumase and then the famous nhis case which we took to court you and my lawyer in the in the matter and won the case and 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 that is why i think that the report is somewhat inadequate Presenting the issue because I think the issue is even worse than it is. And I worry when people try to play politics with these media reports, including government itself, because the last media uh, press freedom report that came, government was patting itself on the back. You know, we've done well. This is not about government and this is not about opposition. What worries me particularly is that over the years, we have used these reports as when the party is in government, they use it against the other and whoever is in opposition uses against uh, whoever is in government without looking at the impact of the journalists of the media industry. Something I am doing an exit plan for myself. Exit plan for myself to leave the media. Why? Because of these things. We can no longer continue, and I'm not the only one. We've had several media people who are exiting the industry and moving into public relations, moving into corporate communications, because it's safer, no attacks emotionally and physically. Like I said in 2020 election, I had to flee the country for a month and return later when the course was clear. This is not captured in the reports. Other journalists were attacked, that wasn't the only person. Even media organizations that I thought were supposed to support me at the time, left me. I had to go to the police headquarters myself, file a complaint. Uh, the police director CID, said, "Oh, why don't you put it together? All your colleagues and other people, media people who have been attacked, put it together as one complaint. And nobody was ready to do it. Why? Some say because of the same reasons, some of them have been captured. In the in this report mm. yeah, so but, but i need I need, to, my...
1: I need to remind you that this is 2013 to, now. So, 2013 if the, to yeah, now so if the issues you are speaking about before 2013 are not captured that's the explanation okay
2: well then the 2020 election should have been captured why was my attack because there's a report at the police headquarters i filed a complaint with the police headquarters the complaint was forwarded to the cybercrime unit. Why was the report not capturing that? So the report is inadequate. And that's why I question, is it because I am a woman? So I am not important. So if I die, my life is not important. Why should I risk my job the next time to cover the next election? That's why I've said 2024 elections, I am not anything going to cover it. Going to cover it. So are you, this international organisation, you, you, you are
1: not suggesting that by your exit plan you will not be mm-hmm. in the industry by 2024. Is that I what you will
2: mean? not be in the industry. I will not be in the industry. Something, and you will because I, of the fear mm-hmm. of attacks. Is that what you're saying? Because of the fear of attacks, and there's nobody to support you. Something. Where was the GJ? Where was the GJ when I was I was I was attacked in 2020? And I sat on TV and said two people came to my office, nearly made it to my studio. And this is is not a joking matter. I had to install 10 cameras in my house, but still I wasn't sleeping. So I sleep during the day and watch the monitor, the cameras uh, throughout the night. But this is not fair. And this is a report. The report never captured this. If you're
1: sorry, but if you are talking about election periods, Uh, I suppose for serious media houses, particularly those of us who do projection of the election results, it is not a new thing that during those periods, we get security. We get special security, either private or whatever it is. Uh, Our homes are guarded among others because of the real threats that come at us. So uh, during election time, that will not be different.
2: Yes, it wasn't. In fact, it was because of one of these private security arrangements that we had done at Despite Media. That is what saved me. Without that private security arrangement, probably I would have died. And if I take you back to 2012, Evans and myself were to announce the election results, and we had done the collation in the newsroom at Multimedia. We're about to call the results. And those collators came and said, look, i think it was around 2 45 a.m at dawn we have the results kaba left he was too scared kofi adoma left he was too scared Um, i think captain he was like look i can't do this they were scared i was a woman i was the woman with the boldness and said i will go and do it and i had done my shift eight hours or 12 hours but i said i'll still go on and do it so we simultaneously planned it Evan was to go 12 45 a.m i was to go at Akan. so i had to call my contacts in the armed forces, have them lined up on the streets of Joy FM before we went on air. And between myself and Kutsuchu, he knows the arrangement that we did in the night. Before um, we went on the, air. The, the that point, was 2012 election. And, and and after the results, after mm. we announced it, we have threats from MPP supporters. Yes. Uh, so, MPP supporters. That was so, 2012. Yes, yeah, so the period
1: you are talking about, the period you are talking about, um, I can testify i also have threat i i must i believe i may have handed over to uh, evans at the point to go take a rest so that uh, it is continued and i for example i got a call from one of the leading members you know who was a good friend you know saying things that were very threatening but because of the security i had within my house even though my family was uncomfortable about it and so on i i was a bit okay with that uh so my issue is that we know that it's a risky job to be projecting elections. So if we're doing that, how do we, you know, project that into this report uh, about uh, self-censorship, about safety of journalists, and, um, and the
2: fears? I, I think sometimes this is, this is what has led us to all these things that are captured in the report. Safety of journalists. Because if it happens all too often, and not much is done, except for the political advantage that both NDC and MPP use against each other, then the journalists become a, an, a, a, a commodity or an endangered species. And that is why most of the talented people in the industry are leaving, going what, on any retirement. What happened to you
1: 2016? You were going to talk about that.
2: Well, 2016, we had similar reports when we called the uh, elections for MPP. Also, threats from NDC on the other side. You know, so that's why I want us to look at this in both ways. I've seen people talk about this report and using it against MPP. And and during the days of NDC, when the report came out, MPP members were also using it against President Mahama. And they said, oh, this is a media person who has become president and under his watch, this is happening. So the kind of Expectation that we have of our leaders. I think both NDT and MPP have fallen short of that. In the 2015 case that we took to court with Efiapoque and others versus NHIS, we were expecting, I particularly, as a friend of President, expecting him personally to come out and condemn it. No. In the case of Manasseh's uh, issue, we were expecting President Kufuar's Excellency, to come out and condemn it. We haven't seen it. So I'm saying that there are double standards from both sides, and it is no longer comfortable. And mm-hmm. we should not allow politicians and mm-hmm. the political class mm-hmm. to continue to take advantage of the abuses of the media. Mm-hmm. When the media people have become victimized, and I worry that GJA, National Media Commission have been- use this whole thing about safety of journalists, the economic issue to just release a statement. And that is, that's what, and it ends there. Mm. And nobody cares in the next uh, moment. If your poker is going to be the next person on the obituary, Um, nobody cares. And that is where my Mm. worry is. We must go beyond just the rhetoric of discussing the reports Mm. when it comes out.
1: All right, To
2: actually formulating policies and laws that work. Not laws for fashion, not laws for entertainment.
1: Okay. Thank you. Um, now, um, Nanaya let me bring you in at this point. And, uh, you know, for example, the, the issue that talks about, and I was, I was their lawyer, and the, there was a leg, was a criminal prosecution. <laughs> the state obviously was disinterested. So the criminal prosecution didn't go anywhere. It was the one that multimedia paid for as in the civil prosecution that's, that was pursued to the end and was successful. Um, when you hear the questions about threats against journalists going unpunished, and even the recall to um, the murder of uh, Ahmed Swali, and then the threats to Erastos Donko about the Ejira uh, shootings uh, coverage, that they say a government official a state you know official has issued this threat and there's no punishment it, how do you process the fact that these you know impact greatly some of these reports
3: Well, I can completely understand uh, everything that everybody has said uh, from their own personal experience. There's uh, a fair deal of truth in what each of your contributors has said. This comes from their personal experience of working in what they describe as an atmosphere of intimidation uh, that is highly politicised. So it is not, one would say, in any way uh, peculiar to a current dispensation. What we have is a culture of over-politicization of our media outlets and over-politicization of general commentary, which some of which uh, does not conform to any standards of professionalism, will not subject itself to any kind of regulation, uh, takes place in a completely free for space. Uh, the report from the Porteur Sans frontier remarks that one of the particular changes between its last report, uh, the 2021 report, and the 2022 report has been the vast growth in online news media.
1: That's right.
3: Uh, and And when you talk about online news media, sometimes those are platforms run by reputable news organisations such as the Multimedia Group, sometimes uh, run by other reputable organisations such as the one I work for, but also a a kind of completely uncensored, uh, uh, uninhibited, and quite frankly, uh, worrying media space to do with the way our social media in particular work. So when, for example, uh, you talk about or other of your contributors have talked about uh, the insults uh, at which they're, the, they're at the receiving end of, um, particularly talking about Sewa here and there, and I'm very glad those of them spoke because I do think that there's a very genderized element to this. Uh, but when you talk about them, there is a difficulty with very much defining what you would say are state actors or not. Again, if Yapopoa referred to that, uh, you yourself, Samson, in your introduction earlier on, uh, spoke, for example, about the rebuttal, or if you like, uh, the letter of complaint written by Elizabeth Ohinney to uh, the news editor uh, who was responsible for the BBC trending programme that alleged. That there was a culture of, if you like, crackdown at the moment on journalists uh, and referred to her as being in government. Um, I mean, you know, question of definition there whether Elizabeth Lahin actually is in government. She certainly is the head of a state institution. Uh, she is no longer a member of the serving government. But obviously, she has political allegiance, which is to the ruling party happens to be in power at the moment. When the scales turn uh, with changes in political fortunes, you get virtually the same set of accusations being bold at the other side. What, without wishing to um, in any way downplay the importance of fears that have been expressed by your journalist contributors to date, for example, Evans talking about uh, what he feels is a growing culture of self-censorship in the newsroom. Um, What I I would like to emphasize is if you like the responsibilities that come with free speech. Uh, Yes, it is right that nothing should be beyond the consideration of any journalist. Uh, but we should present our cases with facts, as has been said earlier on, uh, and with a sort of sense of responsibility and regard for balance. So where you have, if you like, a push against that is again in what Evan spoke about, which is the need to whip things up. To make it as controversial as possible, because that's the name of the game in journalism. You need the headlines, you need the pizzazz, uh, and you need the buzz around the story that you're running. And so there is this very fine line between um, adducing facts or presenting facts against the case, and uh, if you like, the the desire to 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 add some extra fire some fuel beneath the pot in order to get it to boil even more vigorously and to attract the public's attention. Um, now, my, my experience personally of journalism has been largely in the UK, uh, working at the back end of things uh, with very little commentary. But I'll say that from my little experience, not even of reaction to things that I have published, but just, for example, taking pictures of events there is a culture in this country of a generalized lack of tolerance to public exposure so the first experience i had of this was maybe about 10 years ago in Kumasi, where i happened to be wandering around town came across what i thought was an anniversary parade near the military museum and was taking pictures of it and was probably approached by the parade commander who demanded to delete or ordered me to delete the pictures that I had taken. I wasn't carrying the kind of camera where you could delete pictures a pretty old fashioned camera. So I told him as such. And quite frankly, I can't understand the rationale of holding an event in a public space and saying that members of the public who are walking by cannot take pictures of it.
1: Yeah, it happens uh, quite often in this it country. It happens
3: all the time. It happens all the time. Uh, and perhaps, you know, inform some of the cases that we've heard about, for example, the journalists who are assaulted during the coverage of the COVID 19 restrictions uh, and so on. To equate that with state actors, even though we're talking about the Ghana armed forces in this particular case, I don't think I would do. Would I extend that to what I would describe as a generalised culture of me as an off-duty journalist uh, operating in a free environment, having my rights trampled on? No, I just think it's general heavy-handedness on the part of people in positions of authority. The second example was uh, recently, about a year ago, when, again, I happened to be strolling around and noticed bulldozers going in uh, on a local site uh, which had been occupied by squatters with kiosk shops tabletop businesses that sort of thing for years uh, and they seem to be clearing it and to be in a lot of a hurry to clear it out there's a crowd of people standing around watching again i haven't had my phone on me i think i'll take some pictures Uh, was probably spotted by the guards who were supervising the people with the the bulldozers who came and lifted me physically off the land, took my phone, were threatening to do things with it. So uh, although my main objective obviously was not to get hurt, I snatched my phone back and managed to get away as they made obscene gestures at me. To me, that's just a generalised culture of the way women are treated in public life. I wouldn't say that. It was the work of state actors or business interests or anything of the kind. So while I think I understand that coming from the point of view of the journalists who have worked for a long time entirely based in this country, I, like Sewa, have only been operating in the garment Sphere for the past four, um, I, can, I would counter that uh, I think perhaps what they're saying is both the product of the weight of experience uh, and is perfectly within their rights, but also, uh, you know, the question of the reporters sans Frontier report becomes a, a convenient springboard for certain things that have been shored up for a number of years um, and experiences such as uh, if you have cause in election after election. What one needs is both uh, a sense from journalists that they will take their own reputation and their own powers and their responsibilities with the full weight of seriousness that attaches to them. Okay. So. So, so
1: I'm, I'm coming to so, the proffering of the solutions. Um, I'd like that you would list a number of solutions that you want to share and share them so clearly so we can all benefit. Um, um, yes, that's exactly
3: what I was getting round to, Yes,
1: uh, uh, I, because I wanted to come back so that you just uh, uh, go about that, not now, if, if you permit right. me.
3: Okay, Thank so uh, mm-hmm. if, just to round up, Right. Um, I would say, uh, again, a problem with the reaction to this report published by the Reporter saint Frontières is again what I would, I think the philosophers describe as a category error. Uh, so it is a report that is not for 2022, it covers events that took place in 2021. Uh, it's interesting that, for example, a country such as Burkina Faso, ranks slightly above Ghana uh, in the index uh, results. Uh, even though Burkina Faso is a country where in the past year uh, two foreign journalists have been killed, one doesn't wish to suggest that somehow uh, foreign journalists are subjected to uh, different standards of assessment from national journalists in the countries that are being discussed. Um, and. It seems somehow again in the generalised report made by uh, RSF as if it is not a ranking for just one year. It is an overview, if you like, that is the sum total of uh, tracking over a number of per- over a number of years.
1: That's right. When. Uh,
3: this is applied to what is supposed to be an annual ranking, I would suggest that that is a problem because what an annual ranking should track is the change between one year and the next. So, perhaps there is again some blurring of the boundaries there. Uh, Furthermore, I think it would be helpful if we were to understand that the uh, the response by political actors, and I've already said that I think the media and commentary in general, not just media proper, are ludicrously politicized in this country. Even your choice of water or or tissue paper is politicized in Ghana. (laughs) But um, uh, where there is to be a response or rebuttal or reaction to to what is perceived as, as critical commentary by any journalist. Uh, you wouldn't expect the actors to sit still and not defend themselves. Rebuttal, as Ithia said, is a normal part of political journalism, um, and any kind of journalism business does exactly the same thing. What one would not wish for is a sense that the the, the, the rebuttal comes with threats. And where the bu- rebuttal does come with threats, that the organisations such as the Ghana Journalists Association and the National Media Commission are armed with the tools that they need to step in and defend the position of journalists. So, rebuttal comes with the job. And I think if you're a journalist, you have to develop the thick skin somehow to let it roll off the skin and not let it so influence you that you decide that somehow you have to remain silent. Uh, there, There is nothing, according even to the RSF report, to suggest that journalists in this country do not work in an atmosphere where there are the tools at their disposal to be critical. What very often worries is the response. Particularly where the response comes from people who are seen to be closely allied to agents of power, uh, and where the complaints against them go, but that also might be part of a generalised problem of pursuing justice in this country and how effectively it works. Mm. I don't think it's peculiar to just journalism.
1: Right. Um, so let me let me let me bring on Liz and um, uh, Mr. Afremony for. Very quick because I will need them to help us to do a good conclusion to the discussion uh, because of the background that Liz Hefron Asare brings and uh, Arthur Money also will bring to this discussion. <clears throat> now, um, thank you very much for your patience indeed. Now, uh, Nanaya Amens has spoke about situations where. The actors or the perpetrators of the breaches of uh, the rights of journalists uh, to work and even their constitutional rights, you know, in covering stories and the rest, may not be people who have anything to do with government. And yet, it feeds into. what eventually becomes our ranking uh, description as a government being intolerant of criticism and the rest of them. Um, I, I, I gave an example in the course of this week when we're discussing this matter. And this, this is an issue that just happened. So um, Liz, what do we make about such situations? How do we isolate the, so those situations if we must? The, Daily Graphic reporter, Emmanuel Ebu did a story uh, about a court case ongoing live in the Supreme Court. And then three lawyers who are involved in the case appeared before the courts and started condemning the journalist, impugning his professionalism, and saying that he had done the story about the case in a manner that was defamatory to their client. One of them says his client, that's a bank. Then two other lawyers join. In the end, they convince the judge that they need to hold the journalist to the court to disclose his source. Because they allege that the journalist was not in court when the case was uh, being heard on the day that he filed the report. And secondly, that there were court processes that had been filed and had not yet been argued. And yet, his report referenced some of these uh, court processes. So he was invited, ordered to come to court, and on oath, explain the content of his publication to the court, and then disclose his source since he was not in court and could not have, according to them, could not have access to the pending processes they had filed. These were private lawyers who were very serious about what they needed and actually suggested at a point that even if he had to come to the courtroom, he needed um, a permission of the registrar of the court or a court official, and suggested again that the matter was not a matter of public interest. If he had to report on it, it had to be sanctioned by the court. The court actually issued the order, and he was supposed to appear. And the consequence would have been that if he didn't disclose his source, and if his explanations were not good to the court, he could go to jail. So we filed uh, an application to get an expanded panel of the court to say that the order of the court it's unlawful because he had not done anything wrong. If what he did was defamatory, they can issue uh, civil rates. If what he had done was contemptuous, then there must be a content proceeding and not a court just invites anybody to come to court to speak, otherwise, they'll be punished. Thankfully, we explained to the court, and then he was not compelled to mount the witness box, and the case is over. These are private lawyers, and this is their thinking and yet this will feed into such reports is it not possible to isolate these things yes please unmute um i i would want to um
4: Investigate further. So I'll ask you a few questions before I attempt to answer. Right. Uh, these are private lawyers. They are representing a bank that is uh, a public institution.
1: That is right. Or the,
4: bank, or the bank is also private.
1: The bank is a public institution, and there are private individuals also involved in the case.
4: Definitely. So um those who probably uh are stakeholders in the bank that's where they put their monies would be interested in a case like this because should it go against the bank what is the rippling effect towards its um customers so then um i would shudder to call them private lawyers because they are representing a bank that is a public institution so they have moved from private uh individuals into a public space um,
1: will I call them state, state, state actors? Maybe not. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, the bank is a private bank, but you know that our law now sees the banks as public institutions rather than yes. private.
4: Yes, because it, it, is, uh, it is offering a public service. That's right. So definitely it comes into the public space. So definitely everybody who is a customer to the bank is interested in what is happening in the bank. So you can't say that the public is not interested and it is a private thing, it is not. Because the the bank operates because of its customers and its customers have a stake in the bank. So I won't call it a private thing. So definitely the public is interested it is of public interest to know exactly what is going on, and therefore anybody who goes to find out information and publishes it is doing it in the interest of customers of the bank and the public at large.
1: Okay. Having heard the journalists who have spoken, Evans Mensa, Manasi Azuria, Wene, uh, Sawa Sewa here Ifia Pokua, and Nanaya Mensa, what will you say?
4: um and coming back to the ratings that we had or the rankings that we had that's right and how our rankings have been described by the uh, reporters without borders and if you look at it our overall ranking when it says we had 67.43 is problematic and anything that is problematic needs to be addressed as quickly as possible if we want to resort to having an open space and having a free media that is doing its work without fear or favor. If you look at the political sphere also, the political context is also problematic. We have satisfactory for the legal framework and for the sociocultural context. And we all know what that means. Our economic and our safety is difficult. And when I went through the report, you realize that further down, you have um, Cyprus and Hungary, who even though are lower down the line, when it comes to safety of journalists, it is good. So it means that when it comes to safety of journalists, it is above 85%. So we need to look at it holistically. I don't think that we should look at it individually. Mm. If we do that, then we are doing ourselves a great disservice. Our overall ranking is on all these put together. Right. So if it's problematic, then we need to deal with all the... Um, all the issues that
1: have been raised. The, a major issue that is raised is self-censorship. And if you listen to almost all of them, of course, with the exception of uh, uh, Nanaya Mensa, who brings a different perspective, they, they have at least at one time entertained self-censorship. Are they justified from the basis they give for this self-censorship?
4: If, if you come under attack or if you are abused or assaulted or harassed in your line of work, you definitely will want to take caution. You definitely will want to take caution because you know a list of journalists who have suffered and died as a result of putting themselves out there and nothing has been done. There have been no solutions to the killing of judges from 2007. Is it 2007 or 2005? When someone Inin was killed, right? And and up to now, it has not been brought to a logical conclusion. No perpetrators have been um, apprehended. So, if you're working in that space as a journalist, there definitely would be some fear. Mm. And when there's some, fear, does it matter? Does
1: it matter that, that that no. Does it matter that his assassination? Um, has no proving state linkage, link to the state?
4: It, no, it doesn't matter. The fact that he was a journalist doing his trade, you know, and got killed, you would even expect that even with such a thing, because it has no state linking, would have been dealt with quickly, just to make journalists safe and secure, just to make journalists know that OK, we are the ruling government, but we have got your back. We don't get that. You don't get that. And then even when-
1: But you uh, live in a society where, forgive me, you live in a society where that is actually not exclusive. Um, what's happened is not exclusive to journalists. Um, there are many unsolved matters. So why? I agree. There are many
4: unsolved murders, but you would want to believe that the journalist, is not because he um, harmed somebody or he went out and did something. It is as a result of maybe some reportage that he had done that was not favorable or that did not sound too well with a certain group of people. Like the others have said, each time you do a report, you have people call you to tell you, we'll come after you. You have to do A, you have to do B. Everybody in this country is a journalist and knows how we should work. And therefore would want to tell us what they want to see in our newspapers or hear on our radio stations and on our TV stations. But that is not the way we operate. That is not the way we work. And so we should stand together as journalists. And I always call the GJA out was said it very clearly. They would put out statements and it will end there. They would have photo um, opportunities with you and it will be put out and it will end there. Why can't the GJA in itself stand and say that, no, we should make sure that whatever has happened, this should go to a logical conclusion. Let us see what we can do. Let us see how we can help a journalist go out and feel secure, feel safe. But no. Even as we stand as GJ, there's a lot of division in GJ. I keep saying that GJ to me, when it started becoming polarized, I pulled out. I stopped paying my dues. I stopped going for GJA functions. Because I didn't see what we were doing as an association to back our own. And if we can't back our own, who do we want to back?
1: Mm. Um- Uh, Talking about the GJA, uh, I'll take a quick break now and return, but uh, let me uh, have your view on this question. Um, The GJA, there are many of the journalists who have gotten in harm's way, who have been attacked, assaulted one way or the other. They're actually not members of the GJA, but the GJA uh, takes it as a responsibility to issue a statement. Uh, Beyond that, and I know for a fact, Beyond that, not all the cases that they have issued a statement that ended there. Some of them they have moved beyond that and contacted lawyers, myself inclusive, to ask us to assist. And we have taken some of these cases up. Um, in a situation where majority of the circumstances, the people are not do not actually belong to the guild. Why do we leave out the media institutions that they work for? If you're a journalist in multimedia and you got attacked or you you got offended in a way that uh, can be redressed in a court, multimedia will pay lawyers to go to court. They won't wait for GJA.
4: Agreed. Agreed. But you see, when you have a situation where you're speaking for journalists, whether they are part of you or not, you owe it a responsibility to ask, how would you get people come join you if you are not speaking for them or if you're not making them see that you have their interest at heart? Mm. If, if you need to get them to join you because you want to have all of them under an umbrella, then you probably would be speaking for them up front. Again, I was of the view, and people disagree with me, and I keep saying, that GJA should be like all the other professional bodies. If you're not trained, if you're not qualified, if you're not licensed, you do not become a member of the the journalist profession. You have lawyers do it, you have architects do it, you have doctors do it. Why is it that when it comes to journalists, nobody wants to take that up and nobody wants to ensure that we have very qualified people in our association with us who are working and who are being responsible and making sure that everything that we do is clear cut. When you have that, I I don't think when the doctors, when the doctors uh, um, are in default or when they do something that is not right, the medical association comes in immediately. When people's licenses have to be withdrawn, it's not withdrawn by any state, it's withdrawn by the medical association. Why can't we do the same thing for us?
1: Okay, I uh, will take a break here. And when I return, uh, Mr. Filmoni, you'll pardon me. I'd like to speak to Okatechie Frifa Mensa uh, before I come to you. Uh, this is News File, and my guests have been Evans Mensa, Manasi Azure Awine, uh, Nanaya. Mensa, Afelmoni, Les Liz He from Asari, Efia Pokwa, Sewa Amihe, and Okatechi, Efrifa Mensa. We'll be right back.